Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 9 and verse 6, just one verse. I'm sure you're all very familiar with this verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. My friends, we're going to be looking this morning for a short time at just this one verse, unto us a child is born. And my message uh, for uh, this morning is titled, The Child with Marvelous Names, because that's what we have here, the child with a number of names and titles given to him. Well, the birth of a child is always a matter of great joy, no matter where they are in the family, whether the first child or the second child, mum and dad are always very, are ecstatic at the birth. Siblings are curious about the newborn and ex- excited to see him or her. Family and close friends are all delighted to hear about this new birth. Even distant friends, anyone who is connected in some way uh, with the family and hears about this birth, but they're so happy. Smile comes on their, fa- on their face, and they feel so happy uh, for this new child. Well, it's, it's no less so, friends, when we read uh, these words. For unto us a child is born. At least it should be. It should be something so tremendously ha- uh, joyful to us when we realize who this child is. And this is not just a stranger's child. It's not just some distant child who is unattached to us. Oh, we don't, we don't get so excited about children who are born in other families who we don't know and where there's no connection. But here we are talking about a child who is born. All of us, all the families of the earth have some connection uh, with him. And if we only realize that he is born for us, he is born for our good, for our well-being, oh, friends, uh, we will rejoice as well and be ecstatic ourselves that such a child is born and given to us. This child, uh, well, that's so, so good news. And uh, this child who is born for us, he's destined to be the savior of sinners. He's destined to be the savior of all millions and millions of people who will trust in uh, his name. This is a special birth, something uh, extraordinary that we see here. He is offered to all, He is a saviour, a child who is born for all, without any exception. Without any exception. But not all accept him. Not all will receive him. Sadly, many positively and deliberately, willfully reject him. Say, I want to have nothing to do with this child. I want to have nothing to do with this man. He is not for me. He is not for me. But those who receive him, Well, they find him to be a wonderful saviour. They find him to be a wonderful person, a wonderful God. And when they have found him, they said, there's no one like him. He's incomparable to anyone else. And so he is. Well, when a birth happens, uh, it's usually announced after, isn't it? We don't announce a birth before it happens, but after it happens. And uh, not so common maybe nowadays, but it used to be quite common previously. If you had a child, and especially if you belong maybe to a, 
a higher class, you would put that, you'd announce it in the Times newspaper. Such and such, my child was born on such and such a day, so that everybody can know about it. Well, here is a birth that was announced, friends, 700 years before it happened. 700 years before it took place. And it's also in writing. It's God's way of announcing to the world that a birth as is uh, going to take place. It's a prophetic word about the coming Messiah. It's written here, actually, in the present tense. For unto us a child is born, not will be born, but is born. And uh, that speaks to us of it, uh, the certainty of it. In the eye of the prophet Isaiah, here is, it's as if the event has already happened and he's writing after it. It's so certain, it's definitely going to happen. It's so sure. It's going to happen. And uh, unto us, a child is born. Well, let's just look uh, uh, at some of these uh, things. A child is born, firstly. Unto us, a child is born. This, this speaks of the humanity of Christ. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came into this world. He was born uh, into it. And he was human friends in every aspect, in his body, in his soul, he was human. In all things, he was like us, except uh, for uh, sin. He had no sin. He had no iniquity. He had no evil thought ever. He was pure in that sense. But humanly speaking, he was just like you and I. So if you'd seen him in that manger as a baby, well, he looked like any other Jewish baby of the time. He didn't have any halo around his head to distinguish him as somebody special. He, was, he would have looked uh, like a normal, normal child. And years later, if you happened to bump into him in, in the marketplace, well, you, would have, you wouldn't have thought anything different of him. You would have walked straight past him because he looked so ordinary. And he was humanly, physically, uh, 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 just like any one of us. He ate and he drank and he had to sleep just like we do. He got weary, he got tired, uh, he got troubled in his soul over things just like we do. He felt the human weaknesses just like uh, we do. He wasn't a superman even though he is God. So he was a child, is born, t tells us that he was just like one of us. And yet, friends, he was different. He was human like us, and yet the next phrase tells us he was different because unto us a son is given. That word, friends, a son is given, points uh, to his pre-existence, to his deity. Here, his birth is not the beginning of his existence. This is not the time when the Son of God began to exist. This child, this is a son who is given uh, before. Given, uh, that means he existed beforehand. You can only give away something that you have, isn't it? Something that you have in your possession already. I said to somebody recently in jest, do you have a Christmas present for me? And she said, no, because she hadn't pre prepared anything for me, nothing to give me. She didn't have it in her possession or didn't, nothing was prepared. But, so you have uh, here, Christ, the, this word is saying Christ he existed before. He existed, in, yes, the Son of God existed in eternity and He came uh, into time. God the Father 
gave His only begotten Son uh, for us. You know the, the verse, that famous verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Oh, friends, uh, this is uh, what, uh, what Christ has done. The Son of God left heaven and came into time, came into this world, came on a mission. What was that mission? He came to save and rescue sinners, lost, condemned sinners like ourselves. Without Him, we have no hope. Without His coming, we will be lost and lost eternally. Christ alone came to save us from such a condemnation, from such an end. Friends, the, we know that the, uh, our life goes on after we die. We know, but where will we be after we die? Christ came to save us from an eternal separation from Him, from an eternal hell, and bring us to heaven. This is why He came into time. This is why uh, He was given. Christ then here, fully man, yes, but also uh, fully uh, God. As we sang uh, in that hymn, number 235, let earth and heaven combine, angels and men agree, to praise in songs divine the incarnate deity, our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. Oh, friends, this is what the Lord has done. And again, we sang, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity unto us. Uh, this divine child, this divine son uh, is given. And then it goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, is this child, is he destined to be a politician? Is he going to be a prime minister when he grows up? Oh, friends, um, uh, the Jews thought so. The Jews thought that this uh, Messiah would be a political Messiah, and he was going to save them from the Romans. But he was much more than that. These words point to his uh, being a king, to Christ being a great king and having his own uh, kingdom. It's not going to be an earthly kingdom, a visible kingdom, uh, but a, a spiritual kingdom. And that's what Christ did when he came into this world. He set up his own government, as it were. He set up his own kingdom, and he called people to enter into his kingdom by repentance and by faith and belief in him. And he sets up he has set up this kingdom, which as we read in verse 7, is an ever-growing kingdom. It's an increasing kingdom. It's not getting smaller and uh, impotent, but it's getting bigger and bigger and more and more, as it were, powerful in Christ. It's the church. Oh, friends, uh, this is what Christ has come to set up. He comes to set up His dominion, not in a physical sense, not in a visible kingdom, but in, in our hearts to rule and reign in the hearts of people, to rule over them in love and in kindness, to do them good as their king, to provide for them, as their king, to protect them from their enemies, as their king, uh, to, to provide for them such an environment as it were that will be for their happiness and for their well-being and blessing. He has, as their king, their welfare at heart. And so 
Uh, we read even one of his things that he will do is that he will make all things work together for good to those who love him and come under his rule. But let's look especially, friends, at these uh, five different names and titles that are given to him. And just briefly, Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So firstly, this child, this Messiah, this Savior, he will be wonderful. The world means a marvel, a wonder. It's got the idea of something miraculous uh, in it, something unusual, something that is out of the ordinary, something or someone, as in this case, who is out of the ordinary. He's not the usual run-of-the-mill person. There's something wonderful about this particular person. Something that excites amazement and wonder and admiration when we see him and get to know him. That's all in this one word, wonderful. His name shall be called wonderful. Friends, Christ is wonderful in his birth. It's a marvel when we see and think about it that the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, should take to himself that human body and was born where? Not in a palace, but that he was born in a stable, in a poor place, to poor parents, and he lived a poor life. This was, this was him. Isn't it a marvel? Isn't it a wonder to us that he lived such a lowly life all his life, that he often slept outdoors in the cold air, in the open air, where because he had no home of his own during those three years of his ministry, he was dependent on the women to even provide for him. We observe his, his gracious dealings in the gospel, and we marvel at that also, how kind he is in the way he touched people's lives, people you would never expect him to touch. People, maybe you thought, this man who is holy will be separate from others. That's what the Pharisees thought. That's what the religious people thought. What's he doing mixing with sinners? But the wonder, the marvel, oh, the Son of God, this person is mixing and eating and drinking and saving sinners, turning them uh, from their sins. They, they were, uh, they, uh, he was approachable. They felt he, they, he, uh, they could go near to him and he, he dealt graciously with them, forgiving them, giving them a new start in life, a picture, friends, of what he can do for us. This, the way he dealt so wonderfully with individuals is what an encouragement to us that if we come to him, if I come to him now and say, Lord, save me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I'm a terrible sinner, change my life. He will forgive and he will do wonderfully with us too. Oh, the common people, they love to sit and listen to him because no one taught like Jesus thought. No one spoke like him. And he was genuinely interested in them and their spiritual welfare. We read, isn't it, in that uh, uh, gospel reading in Matthew chapter 8, how he touched a leper, how he crossed the lake uh, to set free a demon-possessed man. Oh, friends, how he stilled those waters. Remember, the stormy, stormy waters were, were coming, the waves were coming into the boat. 
and the boisterous wind was blowing and all the disciples when they were in the boat, they were so scared. What's going to happen to us? That's the end of it. And he just got up and said, be still, be still. And they all said, wow, wow. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? He's wonderful. This is what he can do. Well, friends, he's especially wonderful in his death. Oh, think of that death. It was such a cruel death that he died. It was an agonizing death. It was a shameful death. It was a criminal's death that he died. He shouldn't be there, but he was. What's he doing there? What's he doing there, dying a criminal's death? Oh, it's behold, friends, the amazing sight, the Savior lifted high, the Son of God expires in agony. There on the cross, this God-man was taking away the punishment of sin, was taking upon himself the punishment of all his people's sins, all those who will trust in him. Amazing. It's an amazing and wonderful sight to behold. God, the Son of God, dying on the, on the cross, dying a criminal's death to take away the sins of people who didn't deserve such forgiveness like ourselves. This, friends, is what Christ did. Don't count it as nothing. Don't pass by without wonder and amazement and repentance. Oh, maybe you have a friend Maybe you say to this friend, oh, she's a real gem. She's a diamond. She's wonderful. She's always there for me. I can count on her. She's such a lovely person. I trust her totally. Well, that's good to have friends like that. But here's a friend that is much, much better. Here's a friend that is a real, real gem. Here's a friend that is wonderful all the way uh, through. There's none who can compare with Jesus Christ. But then secondly, he is counselor too. This is not a modern-day counsellor, a therapist, somebody that you go to to unburden all your problems to. Uh, counsellors in biblical times, well, they were men of high rank and, and wisdom. And they gave advice uh, usually to kings and to other important people. And so Christ also is a counsellor for us. He stands ready, friends, to teach us if we are willing to listen. He is all-wise and he stands ready to educate us. Oh, friends, we are ignorant. I don't mean this in a patronizing way, but we are all ignorant of so many things in life. We are so ignorant of the crucial things in life. And we think, well, I can order my life aright. I don't need any advice, thank you. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I'm capable enough. I can do it. But you can't, friends. We need... Uh, to be directed by somebody higher than ourselves, somebody who is wiser than ourselves. Do you know, friends, so many people, because of ignorance, die without Jesus Christ, die without the knowledge that will save them and take them to glory and to heaven, die, why? Because they didn't know or didn't want to know about uh, the gospel and Christ. Christ stands ready to teach us on one occasion, a young man came to Jesus and asked him, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. That's a good place for you to start your spiritual journey. 
What must I do to be saved? How can I know that my sins are forgiven? How can I be right with God? How can I know eternal life and know that when I die, I shall be received of God and go into glory? How, these are kind of questions you can bring to Christ and you can, uh, He will teach you as you read the Word and as you listen uh, to uh, messages. He will teach you these things. I remember when I was younger, uh, the advice I got as a Roman Catholic and from the Catholic Church, how can I go to heaven? How can I be forgiven? And the advice I was given was, well, believe in Jesus. Yes, that's one part. Another part, well, be a, uh, as good a person as you can be. That's okay. Another part, well, make sure you go to the Mass. All three you must do to some measure. And then you will be received and go to heaven. Well, is that right? Is that good advice? Is that advice that will take me to, to glory? No, friends. That's different from Christ's counsel. Christ's counsel is, very, uh, is simpler than that. Repent of sin and trust wholly, completely, only uh, in Him. Oh, uh, who is your life coach? Who is your life coach? Who are you taking your advice from? Oh, is it a girl? Is it a girl who's barely 20 years old from Sweden who counsels us to fight for the environment? Is it her? Many thousands are listening to her. Many thousands are living their whole life based on her advice and are fighting for the environment because of what she says. Is it society around you? The society that says nothing is wrong or rather wrong is right, right is wrong. Is that where you take your advice from? Is it the majority that you follow? Friends, Christ is the counsellor that we need. He has our best interests at heart. He knows the future. He knows the best way. He knows the certain and sure path that we could take. Young man, young woman, here today, how are you going to live your life? How are you going to, you're going to work things out for yourself? Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Come to Christ and ask Him, Lord, teach me. Be my counselor. Be my guide through life. The one that I will trust. Keep me from ruining my life. I know if I go my own way, that's what will happen. Keep me from such a path. Take Christ as a counselor and you'll find him to be a wonderful uh, counselor uh, and guide. But then I must move on and just very briefly, the other three, the mighty God. Oh, this is a title that's uh, used uh, for a God and God alone. The mighty God. <coughs> the almighty and uh, Mary referred to that uh, in her song of praise as well, the mighty God. Here it's applied to Jesus Christ. And as God, as the mighty God, well, He can do anything. He, can, he healed paralyzed people in just a moment. Uh, uh, and uh, with a word, this mighty God, this mighty Savior, He raised people from the dead. And it's an encouragement to us, this mighty God, can convert us, can change us. He, he bids us come to Himself, not to change ourselves, come to Him as our, ourselves, and He will change us, and He will convert us and give us a new heart and that new life. But then, nextly, the everlasting Father. This name, the name of this child, another one, the everlasting Father. Now, this is not saying 
that Jesus is, or the Son of God is God the Father. There are some people who teach that, and it's a, a big error to say that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all one person in different manifestations. It's not true. There, are, there is one God, but there are three persons in the Godhead, three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But this, uh, this particular name is speaking about Christ, that Christ's quality as a Father. The Savior who comes, He's going to be, and He is, a tender, caring Father. An ever-loving Father. A Father who always loves. A Father who has a deep love in His heart and affection for His children. An attachment that is always there for His children. An attachment that can never be broken. This is what, it, what He's referring to. Christ has such a love in His heart for all His children such an attachment uh, to them. He will provide for them as, his, as their father. He will protect them from bullies who rise up against them. He will train them uh, so that they become better uh, people. He will guide them in life. All these things. He loves to be with them. He's thrilled with their company as well. This is, this is just like a father delights to be uh, with his children. So also... This everlasting Father, our, our Savior, uh, is thrilled to be with His uh, children too. He maintains this paternal love and care for them forever. Sadly, our earthly fathers pass away and cannot uh, care for us and love us. Uh, it has to come to an end, but Christ's fatherly care continues on and on and on into eternity forever and ever his watchful caring eye is upon us it ceases not but then finally that last name the prince of peace his name shall be called the prince of peace something wonderful isn't it in that word peace we all like that word peace we all appreciate it we all wish we had peace it's something that we all crave for an unruffled life maybe Maybe our idea of peace is an undisturbed mind, a rest uh, within ourselves, free from guilt, free from the problems of life. That's what we maybe think of as peace. And we long and we desire it within us, but we don't have it. And we're striving for it, and we wish we could get at it. But friends, we can get at it. We can have it in our possession. The trouble is that we, we don't have peace because we are not at peace with God. We want a peace without God. We want a peace uh, which is separated from God. We are, but we can only find true peace through Christ and being reconciled uh, to Him. We are cut off from Him. We are cold and indifferent to Him. We do our best to avoid Him. But that's not the way to find peace, the Bible tells us. The way to find peace is to be reconciled with God through the Prince of Peace, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace within is only found uh, through re in returning to God through Christ and in being reconciled to Him. This is what Christ came to do, to reconcile us to God. Without Him, there is no peace in our hearts, in our lives. Well, this, uh, this is such a wonderful uh, gift, friends, that God has given to us. 
uh, even his own son. Unto us a son is a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's given. He's given. Offered to all. But is he taken? Do you take him, friends? Have you taken him? Then he is your saviour. Are you still dithering as to whether to take him? Take him, friends. Take him and now. Take him and all these blessings and so much more that, which I haven't mentioned will be yours in Christ. Come to him. Repent of your sins. Trust your heart and life to him. Yield, uh, yield yourself over to him. Trust only in this wonderful Saviour. And may God bless us at this Christmas time as we think on these things. Let's close by singing our final hymn, number 225, The Race That Long in Darkness Pine, 225.